Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey everyone, I'm excited to tell you about another way that you can connect with the Wondermind world. If your inbox is toxic, like most of ours, I think you're going to enjoy this. Dealing with the roller coaster that is being a human with emotions is not easy, but when we open up about what's on our minds, we learn that we're not alone. That's why, together with my co-founders Mandy Teefy and Selena Gomez, we created Wondermind. With honest conversations and expert advice, the Wondermind newsletter has your roadmap for overcoming stigma, shifting your mindset, and helping you feel supported. Go to Wondermind.com to sign up for free and receive actionable and relatable mental fitness content to your inbox every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And the newsletter has exclusive content that you won't be able to find on the site, so get it first and sign up for our newsletter newsletter wondermind.com. Hi, and welcome to the Business of Feelings. I'm Daniela Pearson, co-founder and co-CEO of Wondermind, the first of its kind mental fitness ecosystem focused on breaking the stigma surrounding mental health. In this weekly podcast, I sit down with those who have risen the ranks of the business world in a range of industries and discuss something that's often not talked about, their feelings. As an entrepreneur myself with a history of mental health struggles, I know firsthand how important it is to have these conversations and let others know that they are not alone. We all have our own mental health journeys, and it's time we talk about them. So Keith Grossman, you are one of the most successful leaders in the media world. You are the president of Time. Could you explain more about what you do every day, but then also the numerous jobs that you had before this prestigious job at such a young age, might I add? So I interned in college at Condé Nast and at first in consumer marketing and then at Wired. And my first job out of college was at Wired as an assistant. And I rose through Condé Nast and spent most of my time at Wired. I spent a little bit of my time working on the launch of a brand called Portfolio. And then I went over to Bloomberg. And from there, I ended up ultimately at Time. And the reason that I came to Time was, you know, Time has been under many different owners over the past few years. First, it was Time Inc., then it went to Meredith, and then Mark and Lynn Benioff bought the brand. And time exists as a private asset of theirs. And when I was brought in, the challenge that they were faced with was, how do we take this brand, this storied brand that everyone knows, it's been around for 100 years, and how do we preserve that red border, the objectivity of time, the trust of time, for the next 100 years? 
So for a very long time, we were looking at the technology perspective, we were looking at the marketing, we were looking at the products, and we were starting to just build out a lot of muscle on the brand. And it was neglected. It was just, it was really just like this beautiful treasure of a brand that was neglected for probably about 10 years. And 2020 came around and we had to evolve very quickly. And I always joke that the philosopher Mike Tyson has this quote, you know, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth, right? And (laughs) original plan that was pre-2020 on how to evolve the time brand. But then in 2020, we realized we had to evolve it slightly differently. And we focused on things like time for kids to make sure that we could get time for kids into everyone's hands at home. And we worked on things like personal finance and health initiatives. But then coming out of 2020, I started to get really personally fascinated with Web3. And it took me down a rabbit hole that I have not yet escaped from, nor do I want to escape from, that I absolutely love, which is the next evolution of where the internet is going. And over the course of this past year, I've been transitioning out of my responsibilities of overseeing all of Times businesses and into a focus on Times Web3 strategy and evolution, which today we have three different business lines on a consumer one, which is timepieces, a studios one, which we call blockchain to big screen, and a B2B one, which helps brands and institutions enter into Web3. That's amazing. Well, I was going to ask you about Web3 because you are very vocal about your interests there. And it is very exciting that such an established brand is doing this instead of a newer media company. So before you became the president of Time, how old were you, by the way, when you became the president of Time? I was 39 when I became the president of Time. That's very young. We were just talking before we hit record and you said that you've always been the youngest person in the room and I can definitely identify with that. So what were your first few jobs? How did you make yourself so valuable that you were able to become a president of an organization like Time? Can you walk us through that journey and then also any sort of feelings that you had along the way? I've been very blessed in that I've worked very hard and I've gotten a lot of opportunities throughout my career to take advantage and be able to move up. And I've never actually told this story publicly, but I think for the topic of this, I think it's fair. So when I started at Wired, it was 2002. And I was ignorant enough that I didn't realize I was entering into a brand post the dot-com crash and that everyone was super vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And I had three bosses. And I really loved two of them. And I'll get to the third one in a second. But I had a day on January 7th, I think it was 2003, where I got a call from one of my bosses that I loved and hysterical crying. And he said, can you come down to the office and help me? I need to see you. And it was like 10 at night. And I said, okay. And I thought in my sort of ignorance that we were going to go out and celebrate my birthday. Because here I am, 22, turning 23, and I'm super selfish and thinking about only myself. And like, it hasn't hit me that like going from college to the real world is set in yet. And I got down to the office and I saw him in the office hysterical crying. And what he needed help with was packing his desktop. 
No. And I did it. And I didn't understand why he was let go. He should not have been let go, in my opinion. To this day, I still speak to the managers there who are amazing individuals. But like I said, I just still can't understand. But that was like my wake-up call very quickly, that like the real world was not college, that you were not guaranteed to continue to always move forward. And I walked away that night so upset, emotionally, personally, weirdly deflated. I like disappointed in myself thinking that it was all about me going out like a party and celebrate my birthday. But I walked away saying, I'm never going to put myself in a position where I could ever get fired ever. Right. And what I realized was like to ensure that I had to always work the hardest. I had to always be the biggest team player that I could be. I had to always add value to the organization in every capacity. But I also came to a big realization that the whole premise of work-life balance is a very individual sort of emotional decision and that there's no one formula, right? So if you want all the success and all that comes with it professionally, you have to give up life. And if you want all the freedom and all that comes with that personally, you give up work. And if you want that perfect balance, you only rise so far, right? And so like, take you for instance, people will look at you and they'll see the Forbes article and they'll think she has it all. But what they don't see is Saturdays, all your friends are out and you're working. Sundays, all your friends are out and you're working. Friday evening, you can't even think by 7 p.m., right? This is my life, right? And so I had that moment and I had that realization that like, wow, like I have to put myself in a situation that I can't be dismissed Mm -hmm. so easily. The other thing I learned, and this is why I said like I had three bosses and one I did not personally care for. One day, the one that I did not care for, who was really just mean to everyone, called me down to a room and decided that she was going to attack me both personally and professionally. She didn't like something and she was so mean that I stood up to quit because I was seething and I was 22, 23 at the time. And the one of the other bosses that I really loved heard through the grapevine that she did this to me and he wasn't in the office. And he said, before you do anything rash, walk around the block three times and wait for me in the lobby and I'll be back there for you in a second. And he came right back to the office and he met me in the lobby. And like, I was about to quit, like we media all together. And he met me down in the lobby and he calmed me down and he convinced me not to like quit. And like, I think to myself quite a bit, like if I had let my emotions to the reaction had gotten in my way and I didn't have someone like that looking out for me, I wouldn't be here today talking to you. That's so powerful. And and thank you so much for sharing those stories that you haven't shared before, because I feel a lot of people, not just in media, but in corporate structures can identify with everything that you're saying. And by being so young and, you know, having to stand up for yourself, I think what I really pulled out of the second story was that, you know, 
you were upset and you were going to make a decision. And again, a lot of people think you can't have emotions in business, but instead of the person that you looked up to, your boss, instead of him saying, put everything down or whatever, his advice was just walk around the block and have your mind reset and get grounded. Like the feelings are okay and valid, but let's make sure that you're making the right decision for yourself. And that's so important. And I feel that many people do not have somebody that would have said that. They probably would have said, you know, oh, he's too emotional, good riddance to him anyways. Going back to the person who wasn't so kind to you, do you know why the person felt that they had to be a bully or be somebody that would affect other people's mental health in a negative way? I, look... I don't know why. I don't think that this person was a nice person at their core to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like, the unfortunate reality I think that people have to come to grips with when you all of a sudden move into the real world from college and then start to build your professional career is that ultimately almost nobody cares about you or your success except for maybe a few family members, maybe a few friends, and maybe a few people that you come across in your career, right? And other than that, like most people, sadly enough, go through their professional careers thinking solely about themselves and think that it's a zero-sum game. I heard a quote from Warren Buffett once that I loved more than anything else, and I think is like a, a really important quote. It shaped a lot of who I am today from hearing it. And I think this is important. Like, A, I've had a lot of my mistakes where I've done things where I regret in hindsight, mm -hmm. right? Nobody's perfect in that. B, in every instance where I've done something emotional, I've regretted it, right? And so it's like, it's never worth it. But the quote that Warren Buffett states, and I would ask people to think about this, and this is how I try to operate today. And I've tried to, for many years, operate is everyone sees the world through the lens that they know, right? He says, love is the only commodity you can't hoard. The more you hold on to it, the less you have, but the more you actually give away, the more you get in return. And if you think about that, like that quote, if you operate your professional career with intelligence and focus and in a notion of giving away love, constantly pushing it out, as opposed to trying to hoard it, it pays back in spades. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening, and I hope you're enjoying the podcast. I wanted to tell you about one of my favorite parts of our new launch, which is the Wondermind website. No matter what you're feeling, whether it's happy, sad, angry, anxious, stuck, envious, or lonely, or all of the above, Wondermind.com has something for you. Maybe you're trying to figure out a way to effectively communicate your anger, or you want to squash those negative, intrusive thoughts, or learn to sit with your sadness. Go to Wondermind.com, an expert-backed site dedicated to all things mental fitness. Here you can filter our content by feels to find advice that's most helpful to you no matter what you're going through. Check out Wondermind.com to access curated content for any and every emotion and lean into what you're feeling. I love that business analogy because truly it, it does pay dividends among dividends. And going off of that, Keith, how many people roughly report to you? So all of the different jobs have been so different, right? So like Bloomberg was a few hundred. Time as an organization is about 325 or so. I think Bloomberg actually was a little bit bigger. Wired was smaller. But the one thing that you should never confuse is once you get beyond, let's say, 20 people or so, it doesn't matter because what really matters is making sure that your direct reports are incredible and that you can trust them and that you can delegate to them, right? Like there's a, a level where you could do it all yourself, but once your company gets too big, right, like there's no difference between 30 and 400. Yes, yes, because you just have the key stakeholders and leaders reporting directly to you and trust that all of the organizational structure beneath them is perfect and people are getting feedback, etc. But I asked that question because I want to know, based on that experience and any other experiences that happened to you in the business world before you had the opportunity to lead an organization, what have you implemented in your leadership style based off of those feelings that you had when you were 22 years old? So, you know, people like to say business isn't personal, like this is not personal. With business. I actually, business is extraordinarily personal, right? And, you know, pre-COVID, I thought it was really important that you always wanted to be present, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, like when you think about the workplace environment pre-COVID, there were really three ways in which an individual existed amongst the other individuals, which was there was visible, which is what we are right now, right? There was invisible, which is like, I'm not in your mind, in your line of sight, we're not meeting, and there was present. Present was just like we would be in the same office. I would see you. I'd say hi. That would be it. We'd have a small talk. Mm -hmm. on. I think people dismiss how powerful and how important present was, right? And what you got post-COVID was the loss of present and the sort of emergence of just visible or invisible, right? And that actually changes people's stylistic approaches quite a bit because you can't just smile at someone. You can't just say hi to somebody. You can't just go over and sit down and have an impromptu conversation. It also means that things that are really good that happen in people's lives are good for less 
time and things that are really bad are stewed on for much longer because, you know, emotionally they have no outlets. They just are by themselves isolated. And I think that that reality is something that we're all struggling with to understand how to navigate through and to manage through. And I think that that reality is why you're seeing the great resignation take place. I think that reality is why you're seeing quiet quitting take place. I think that reality is why you're seeing things like the loss of ambition in the workplace sort of emerge. Uh, and so like, for me, what I try to do is, is I just, I try to be as accessible as I can. I try to celebrate where I can everyone's victories. I try to model the success where I can, but I'd be lying if I didn't say it's hard. It's not the same because if you managed through like a very human touch, uh, you don't have that as much. Yes. Right. No, for sure. The human connection piece is so important in business and in mental health. And so the, the fact that that's been lost, I'm wondermind recently and news at Newland, all of my businesses, we recently got an office and it's so nice to be able to actually see people face to face and feel the energy that they give you. You talked before we started recording about how people might see someone like myself or yourself and think, wow, like they have the world at their fingertips. And that's why I'm very vocal on social media of showing the other side, the realistic side of what it takes to be successful and how much it really takes from you. Can you just speak more on the realities of wanting to be the best in your field or wanting to achieve a certain success and what that has been like with your mental health journey? Sure. I mean, what people see on social media is a pittance of reality. And the best or the worst part is it's only the reality that you want to present or that the individual wants to present, right? So I think you had a post the other day where you were exhausted. You were hopping on another plane, right? You'd gone through meeting after meeting and you're like, I could post this picture that showed how great the meeting was, but this is a picture of like how just utterly bone tired I am, right? And I think that, you know, I joke that one of my best qualities is my impatience, right? But at the same time, the problem with impatience is it causes you to be extraordinarily anxious when the outcome that you want is not delivered as fast as you know it can be delivered, right? And so then it opens up a few questions, which is, can I just do it faster? In which case, you know, you then worry about, do I undermine the team, right? And just do it, in which case people start to resent, or do I just sit there and wait and let it happen, which is also another sort of scary vulnerability to have. The other thing I learned, I think that what people don't realize is people see outcome, but they don't see intention sometimes, right? You know, like I've launched many things. I launched the Wired Tablet Edition. I launched Quick Take at Bloomberg with, you know, and I launched timepieces, right, at time. And I launched many other things. But if you take those three things, right, when we launched the Wired Tablet Edition, there was a moment where after spending a good portion of a year, like making sure that everyone was educated on what was going on in the media landscape as it relates to the iPad's emergence, that Steve Jobs passed a rule called Rule 3.3.1, which said you couldn't use cross-compilers to upload your program to the iPad. And that meant that the entire 
digital publishing suite that we were working on with Adobe no longer was valid. And I was called into the office and I was told the Wired Tablet Edition um, was canceled. And I had to figure out how we were going to return millions of dollars in advertising sponsorships. And I was going to have to inform an entire sales team that the millions of dollars in advertising partnerships that they had sold and that they were all expecting to get paid on, they weren't going to get paid on because we technically never launched the product. And so imagine like I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my God, it was the worst feeling on the planet. And then I got a call, luckily that Adobe could code the entire application and Objective-C and Coco, and we could be on in time, right? And it went on to be one of the most successful launches on the iPad. But those 10 minutes, those 10 minutes were extraordinarily scary to me. And that was a sort of emotional roller coaster that I dealt with by myself, right? With Quick Take, it was hard to build a social mobile video network at Bloomberg. And Scott Havens, who's now the CEO, was amazing in running the ops. And Mindy Masucci, who was the editor-in-chief at the time, was amazing at running the edit. I was running the sales for it. And we had brought in $20 million, I think it was, of revenue and sales. And the product kept on getting delayed because what we were doing was never done before. And we delayed it once, and then we delayed it a second time. And after the second time, all of the partners were like, enough, right? And like, that was another just unbelievably humbling feeling of just sitting there being like, oh my God, if we delay this one more time, we're going to lose $20 million in revenue. And like, this is really not good. And like, there's a pit in your stomach that like, I can't explain to somebody how humbling and vulnerable that feels that like you've done everything you can and you're still left sort of like, oh my God, like, because we're trying something great and we're trying something new, like people are going to get frustrated. But I would say the thing that humbled me the most and that probably crushed me the most was the launch of timepieces. You know, I had spent months studying the space and Web3 and asking questions. And I had made a bunch of assumptions with the team about what was fair. And like, when you look back, like one of the things we wanted to do is we wanted to make sure that if we were selling one of one NFTs for hundreds of thousands of dollars, that timepieces was a more affordable way to get into building a community. So we priced Genesis launch at 0.10 ETH, right? So a tiny amount compared to what the one of ones were going for. And we didn't know or think about allow listing or gas and bots and all of that stuff. And so this drop, and while the drop from a revenue perspective was so successful, it did about four and a half million dollars in like 45 seconds or something like that. Um, what it did was a complete fail from a consumer perspective. People paid up wazoo and gas, right? People like paid tens of thousands of dollars, if not more for pieces that should have only gone for a few hundred dollars, right? And all of a sudden I found myself in a scenario where like the organization was celebrating a financial success. And I was looking at a community lambasting me online, mm -hmm. like to the point where it was like every day I probably had like 15, 20,000 tweets at me that oh said, gosh. I just kill myself, right? <gasps> But like things that were just awful. And I'm not a sensitive person at all. I've grown thick skin over the years, but I will tell you that I knew that this was a big miss on our end. 
I mean, there was one night that I was at dinner with my wife where I just said to her, like, I'm not insinuating anything, but like, if I have like a heart attack or something happens, this is where my life insurance is, right? Like we had, we legitimately had that conversation. The navigation out of it was, you know, ultimately I was very transparent in a very long Twitter thread that explained what went wrong. And we did this drop called the cat mint pass. And I'm surprised it went away immediately on that and just coming clean to say to people, this was the intent. This is what happened. This was our mistakes. This is what we're sorry. This is how we're going to do it. And it took four or five months of focus to make sure that the community saw how genuine we were through a commitment to the space that we had made a mistake and we wanted to make sure we were good on it. But that was the most humbling experience I ever had because the first one with the tablet was individual. The second one was a handful of marketing partners. So it was only maybe at the most 20 people. The third one, which was timepieces, was like thousands of people screaming at the top of their lungs on Twitter every day. I couldn't even open up my phone without people like jumping at me on every device you could imagine, including emails like that people just like would freely send. And so I say it because people should know, like, and it's not, it's not a woe is me. Like we, we had made a mistake. We had miscalculated demand. We'd miscalculated all these things. We did not assume the market properly on that stuff. And it's not sympathetic, but what it is, is it's just a testament that like people love to focus on the good. What they don't focus on is the sleepless nights. They don't focus on the stress. They don't focus on the wear. They don't focus on the human toll, right? That it has extended out, out, out. I bring that up as an example because, you know, like I tend to always try to stay positive on social media, right? I tend to never show sort of emotional vulnerabilities. I really appreciate your vulnerability, Keith, and telling us those things because it really does seem like people in your position just have it all and they don't think about those sleepless nights where you are responsible for so many people. And I hope people in your position are going to be more honest and vulnerable about what the realities of their jobs are and the stresses they go through so that people don't feel alone when they have those same feelings. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Daniel. Well, that's it for this week's episode of The Business of Feelings. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope this episode was helpful for you in some way. Whether you learned something new, became inspired to prioritize your own mental fitness, or just felt a little less alone about being a human who has feelings in this world, like we all do. Don't forget to subscribe to The Business of Feelings on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want access to more mental fitness content, make sure to check out wondermind.com or sign up for our tri-weekly newsletter. I'll see you next time when we're back with another great guest being open and honest about their feelings as they build their empires. Our theme song is written and produced by John Levine and The Business of Feelings is produced by Wondermind and Big Din Productions. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 